1: Well, good afternoon, everyone. I trust you're doing well on this Tuesday afternoon. Well, a lot has happened in the province over the last year when it comes to the development of our natural resources. Since 2022 came in, we've seen a major push towards wind development. The tech and mining industries continue to expand, and new mining opportunities are on the horizon. The province was on tender hooks, as we remember earlier this year, as the future of the Beta Nord project and the promise of high-skilled labor positions remained up in the air, but that has settled down somewhat. Then we've had the province's tech sector, which continues to grow. Those are just some of the things the Department of Industry, Energy and Technology has been dealing with over the last year. My guest today is Minister Andrew Parsons. Hello. Good afternoon. How are you? Great. So you've got a minute or two to breathe?
0: I think so. I think so. We're getting to the year end, but uh, you know what? It's... uh, And when it comes to the department and a bunch of different files and issues, it's been a positive year overall when you uh, just listening to your rundown there. It's been really good.
1: And I want to talk to you about those many things happening uh, in your portfolio. But first, I want to uh, get to the most important story of the year. And it's one that affected and is still affecting your district, Hurricane Fiona, of course. And you were out of the country when it hit. What was it like rushing home and slowly getting those updates? on just how bad the situation was. So,
0: so yeah, no, I, I was not quite out of the country. I was in the, the western portion of this country. Um, but from literally 5 a.m., just seeing when you first see those images uh, hit Facebook through your friends' accounts, I it was, it was just like nothing we've ever seen. And one of the comments, I think, from people that I've heard, like, we're used to this. I mean, we're used to getting weather warnings. We're used to storms. Uh, people are saying, well, why didn't people evacuate? I mean, we've lived our entire lives hearing about how bad the weather is going to be, and and never, and it's never quite that bad, but this one uh, was different, and the videos were scary and shocking, and then uh, just seeing that all day and getting back on the ground. And I've said this a number of times, and I'll say it again, and it's always true. Uh, the pictures and videos are not. Nothing like when you when you get on the ground and see the devastation. Uh, when you see houses and roads and fr- neighborhoods re- reduced to to rubble, uh, it's it's shocking. It's a an image that doesn't go away.
1: And this is something that we're not really accustomed to seeing. We've seen the high winds, we've seen the heavy rains, uh, those kinds of things. But this was this storm source that was just reaching out onto the land and pulling everything back in.
0: Absolutely. I, I mean, we've seen, like you said, we've seen the wind and the rain. It was only last year that we went through a pretty significant issue when the, there was a road. The TCH was washed away. I mean, that was a week, a little over a week of being cut off. And I thought that was terrible. I mean, that was... That, Pales in comparison, uh, but in this particular case, uh, you know, when you see that wave coming over Channel Head, that natural breakwater, and 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 just what it did, it has just changed the face of the community. And I would say that literally, I mean, that neighborhood, especially down in the East End, it was decimated. Uh, and then, and again, it's not just there. I mean, it hit up in the other other neighborhoods. Um, it really was something we've never seen. And it's it's not only just that marks left. I can say that it's impacted the, the psyche of people, uh, people that have spent their entire lives living on the water and next to it, uh, and it's changed how they feel about it. That's not some, They don't want to go back, and so that just tells you about the, how difficult this particular situation was and is.
1: And some people have asked uh, people who may not know the area or may not know Newfoundland and Labrador for that matter. Some people may ask, well, why were people so close to the water? But when you're talking about Channel Head, as you said, that natural breakwater, that was considered to be a safe place to be.
0: Absolutely. Look, why were we on the wall? We're a province that was built on the fishery. We we're built on the coast. I mean, I just look at communities like Burgio that I represent. You know, they were never intended to have the road like they have now—that 150-kilometer uh, stretch of highway. Everybody was built around. The the water that's just how it was especially in this which was the older part of town Uh, and again you know again everybody felt safe like you had the breakwater but you know this is a this is was a generational storm and uh, we've had them before I was I've been doing some research apparently it was a very bad situation literally just over a century ago so uh, I, I will say though you know there's no doubt that the weather tends to be it's a heck of a lot more volatile these days
1: and unfortunately we 're hearing more about these generational type of events. so what is the situation there now?
0: Well I guess where we are now is that uh, we 've announced the final uh, the, the financial formula that 's going to be used uh, for people in terms of you know replacement of homes and things like that calculation wise Literally, where we are right now is we're waiting on adjusters to come in and provide those assessments, but that will then determine the final. I guess what you'll say is check or final settlement of these accounts. Uh, that's taking a bit longer, I think, than any of us thought. But it's a pretty comprehensive exercise. Uh, I think some information might might be coming soon, but that's not for everybody. Uh, you know, right now you've got about a hundred houses. This is going to stretch into the new year, obviously. Uh, I mean, the whole situation itself. This is not going anywhere uh, in early 2023. Just when you talk about the payouts and then uh, the construction, the redevelopment of areas in town, uh, this is going to take a long time. Uh, But hopefully some people and then more people after that will be finding out what it looks like and then they can make a more, uh, probably a better decision on what their future holds for them. Do they want to rebuild? Do they want to go to a different style of living? Uh, Do they want to go elsewhere where their kids are? That's a real consideration for many. And so Overall, I think people... I think people were very relieved when the premier came out and announced uh, what the formula was, uh, but now it's like anybody when you're sitting there waiting pretty big life decision in front of you and just waiting on information, I'm sure that's difficult. Uh, some people are not obviously as comfortable as th- what they were that's difficult, but overall, I keep saying there's silver linings here. Uh, you know we dealt with a loss of life and we could have been dealing uh, with a lot more, so overall, I think you know it could have been far worse.
1: So, what's Christmas going to be like now in port basque and Isle Mort and Fox Roost and Marguerite and Bergio and Ramia?
0: Well, you know what? I, I think every Christmas for the last number of years has been unlike Christmases before that. I mean, you think about since 2020, we've been dealing with pandemics. We've been, in our case, we were dealing with road washouts. Now we're dealing with a natural disaster. Uh, so, Overall, I think people are uh, persevere. I think people are resilient. It's not going to be the same in some cases. But look, you can. Uh, I'll just use words I heard one of these individuals use. You can take away a house. You can take away belongings. But if you have family around you, you can't take away memories. And so I can't take credit for that really good quote. Uh, But I think it certainly fits Uh, and hopefully people, uh, no matter where they are, will find a way to celebrate with their family and their loved ones and realize that, uh, you know, that this is truly, truly what matters.
1: So you say the financial formula is in place. You're just awaiting for the adjusters. And the outpouring of donations to help the people in your district was extraordinary. The phones never stopped here. People wanting to know, where do I make a donation? How can I do it? Um, What will the focus be now in 2023 as the town and surrounding area and the residents continue to move forward?
0: Well, again, first off on your point there, I mean, the generosity was like nothing I've ever seen. And it was not just limited to the province Uh, but across the country and it was right down from individuals donating money right up to you know, small and medium businesses giving and supplies and donations right up to the big corporations. It really was amazing and truly thankful. And then the volunteerism, uh, when you saw teachers giving up like they, they couldn't go back to school. So they spent their time down helping run the uh, sort of the, the Lions Club to ensure uh, everything was sorted out and we're taking care of people when it comes to clothing and goods. Uh, it was a, a master class in Just generosity and the human spirit. Um, Now, going forward next year, I mean, the town itself, there's a lot of work. This is a lot of development work. This is a lot of planning. You don't just put a house somewhere. I mean, we have to figure out uh, how this new subdivision looks, and to, you know, to make sure the services are there uh, and the same thing. Same thing's going to happen to Burn Island, same thing's going to happen to Marguerite. I mean, Burjo, wherever you're creating multiple houses at one time uh, perhaps quicker than you had intended to, uh, that that just expedites the process. But, you know, I think there's been great cooperation amongst uh, certainly the government uh, entities and departments involved and the volunteers. The government workers I tell you, from some of these departments on front lines were awesome. They've just been great. And I guess the other thing too is, look, the, you know, through the generosity there's been a lot of money raised and I think there's a lot of interest to see where that's going to go and hopefully it goes to the right areas, which is the rebuild and how do we get people back sorted out. So these are all things that are going to take time, but you know what, we've we're, we're going to keep at it and everybody will continue to work together. I have no doubt about that.
1: You touched on it earlier, but um the houses uh, are one thing. There's a whole other thing when it comes to a lot of the fishing infrastructure. And you talked about how people uh, settled the coast because that was how people made their living. And there's still people, a lot of people that make a living off of the sea. And a lot of uh, the infrastructure, sheds and the like with uh, that had all of uh, a person's equipment needed to go out fishing, gone. I can remember, I think it's Poyle, uh, I, I stand to be corrected with, with that picture where all the sheds, you could see the sheds before and then after. Was just nothing but debris floating in the water. Uh, so, what about that? How is that being uh, worked out?
0: So that's still something that's in the works, and it's still hard. I don't have an accurate, I guess, depiction of what that total is because between commercial and then recreational slips and wharves and sheds. Uh, I know that work is being done to figure that out. I know that we're going to work with people to try to help get them back where they were uh, but again it's also something where we're going to work with DFO who I think have a, a responsibility here as well as our, our local departments so that one is important uh, but the reality, the plain reality to me is that we've just been dealing with the you know roofs over people's heads right now. That's consumed so much attention and logistically really challenging that that's where we've put our attention. That doesn't mean the other things aren't important, uh, but we've been trying our best to help people figure out where they're going to live. Uh, and, and again, that's why I say there's a lot of work left here. Uh, but I can tell you, up along that coast, uh, there wasn't a lot left. A uh, lot of, lot of debris everywhere. A lot of, lot of people's uh, wharves gone. So, like I say, we. That's another pretty big endeavor, uh, and we need to figure out what the totality of it was.
1: Is the cleanup complete? From what I gather,
0: I'm not hearing much about it. There's still more to go. There are still houses that have to be demolished. They're waiting on this process to end before they can get the okay to actually go through with demolition. But I think that's going to be more of a controlled, probably a quicker cleanup. In other areas, it seems like most has been done. I may be wrong. There may be isolated areas. The other thing, too, is that in some cases, the cleanup has taken some time. You've had further storm, you know, not obviously significant, but a bit of wind and uh, a bit of wave, and then what you have is previous mess uh, has been exacerbated. I don't think that's going away, uh, and even trying to rebuild to prepare yourself for it, it's been uh, it's been a challenge.
1: And I forgot to mention Burnt Islands because they were so hard hit as well. I'm trying to go through the the, the little geographic Rolodex in my mind, so I don't, I don't want to leave them out for sure. They were really hard hit. Um, when we come back after the break, Andrew, I'm going to talk to you about the many things that you oversee in your portfolio and some of the uh, major announcements you've made in recent weeks. We'll be back right after this. Join us for On Target, one hour in which Linda Swain examines topics that mean the most to you. On Target, weekday afternoons at 1 on your VOCM. And we're back. Our guest today on On Target is the Minister of Industry, Energy and Technology, Andrew Parsons. And of course, you've made a couple of major announcements in recent days, and we'll try to get to all of them in a the moment. But uh, the big one that's uh, dominating, I guess, discussion, public discussion, anyway, is is wind energy, and the province is moving forward, seemingly at an accelerated pace, to develop wind energy. And the proposed wind project on the southwest coast is ostensibly to power a hydrogen plant proposed for Stevenville. But the province set aside um, huge areas of crown land for potential wind development. And my question is, to what end? Will it go to the grid or will it be to fuel further industrial growth? What are the plans there?
0: Well, this is the thing is that there is a significant amount of potential as it relates to this new industry, but there's certain things that can be done quicker than others. So internally speaking, when it comes to usage on the grid, that's not something we're ready for yet. But... I do think there will be huge opportunities for us to self-generate uh, or to contribute to that Cause we are, you know, look, we are going to require uh, new power and more power, especially when it comes to industrial development and, and in some cases, to move away from remote diesel. Right now, though, has been identified as an export opportunity, uh, and there are other areas in this world, primarily Europe, primarily Germany, that have said, look, we we need to move away. I mean, they're in a very volatile, volatile energy energy situation. They want to move into this new green, non-emitting, you know, non um, completely green. I mean, there's no emissions whatsoever from this. They want to go there. They're the ones that have expressed significant interest. And so when we talk about to what end, I mean, when you have other countries and jurisdictions coming to you saying, we think you're perfect for this, we want to buy from you, I think we'd be remiss. I think people would be pretty disappointed if we said, no, not for us. We're not interested. Uh, so we need to move fast to meet the need. But at the same time, we recognize that there's a huge balance, uh, that this is going to be you know, using crown land, going to be using water, it's going to be using our resources. And for that, you know, we're used to that. I mean, we've been doing that for some time. But we have to strike the right balance, the right value to ensure that people are, of this province are getting a return on that.
1: And you mentioned green because uh, I guess because there's no emissions, but it do- it does have an environmental impact. It seems to me that when you see wind projects in other areas, it's usually on big tracts of um, agricultural land that's already cleared, that sort of thing. But we're talking about forested or semi-forested land, uh, wetlands, those kinds of things. What kind of an impact will that have?
0: Well, no, so I would disagree somewhat there uh, because. You- so, going back to it, so yeah, we do have a large amount of land that's been identified, but 1.6 million hectares, that's only one third of what was requested. So that amount of land, and again, I'll point out this province is about 88% available crown land. We have an, a plethora of available land in some cases that I don't think will ever be touched. So we do have that ability. But in this case, when people put in those original nominations of land, which we got in by October 1st, the first thing we did was reach out to you know numerous uh, departments and stakeholders and agencies to look at those very issues. Did it fall on a watershed? Did it fall, uh, fall into a place where we're doing mineral exploration? Did it fall into an environmentally sensitive area? Those were all removed. So what we have left now, don't get me wrong. I mean, yeah, you might, you will have to remove trees in certain cases. It may fall on some land. But, again, I would point out to people... Uh, And this is the big thing I point out. At the same time that we're trying to find ways to uh, create revenue to pay for ever-increasing costs in health care and our other social services and our education system, it has to come from somewhere. Uh, When we invest in oil exploration, we hear about the climate change side. So we have a duty to find a way to get value for these resources, which come with a non-emissions situation as opposed to our previous methods of, you know, when we're talking about extracting oil. Uh, And, you know, this is not new to us. The hydrogen part is, but, I mean, there are so many other jurisdictions in Canada, in the U.S., in Europe, and all over this world that are already doing wind. So it's not a a new concept. It's new to us. Uh, so the hydrogen part's new. Uh, but again, that's, you know, I think that's it's definitely worth exploring for the betterment of our province.
1: So if this is a primarily an export opportunity, have we set up a royalty regime?
0: Well, that's what we're working on right now. Absolutely. It's And again, one of the challenges has been We don't have a lot of precedent to look at here. Uh, We're starting off. There is literally one other hydrogen framework in this world that's in the uh, Middle East over in Oman. So we're starting off from a place where we're trying to set up a system uh, that both puts value on the resources that are being used, gets us value uh, from the companies in terms of uh, we want to get the benefit of whether it's from a taxation side or an income side or construction side you name it but at the same time we don't want to overprice it and scare scare people away. They will find somewhere else to go, and it'll be a lost opportunity for us. Right over there next door in Nova Scotia, they're moving down the same path as us. They, they've made awards of uh, land over in that area to companies that want to do the same thing. So we do have some competition. Uh, so that's that's the challenge, hopefully. And we've got one that's basically done. Um, was hoping to have it out the same time we awarded land, but frankly we wanted to do one more round of competition Consultation. And if it wasn't for the time of year, uh, Christmas, we probably could have had it out this month. But everybody, look, people need a break. The companies themselves uh, are looking to settle down, and the people within this department and other departments need a break. So hopefully, I can have that out second weekish in January, and that's going to lay out sort of the schematic, the framework uh, that we're going to use to figure out the value, the fiscal framework for uh, what this industry can mean.
1: So what assurances can you give the public that things will be done right uh, these turbines of course and they're huge will require maintenance regular maintenance and at the end of their useful life they'll need to be discarded so what kind of legislation is in place or will there be legislation in place that will dictate how that is done
0: absolutely so just a few points here uh, and i'll end off on more of a general one. First of all this is not a province that's uh, unknown to natural resource development. I mean, we have mining in every corner of this province, which does have an environmental impact. We've had oil exploration on land and offshore. Uh, we've had various industrial efforts throughout this. I mean, we've got a, a refinery sitting in come by chance. So, people need to know that this is not something new in the sense of, oh, be be careful of this industrial development. We've had plenty of that. But, I hope that we've learned the lessons from that. And one of them is that there is a cost to decommissioning, to taking this down at the end of its lifespan. And that will be a part of the framework, the regulations going forward is that company, same as when if you mine, you have to have that built into your plan. When the mine hits the end of its uh, useful life, the company has that responsibility to restore the area. Same thing when it comes to decommissioning an offshore rig, it's going to be the same as this. The last thing I would say is that, look, Generally speaking, I've been at this completely cognizant of the fact that when it comes to new developments in this process, primarily hydroelectric, there's a lot of cynicism because we feel like we've been had. Uh, So don't think for a second that that hasn't been in my mind every second during this, especially in the fact that we're operating in a brand new system of variables and unknowns. That guides me the entire time is that, you know, everything we do – and it's not just me. I'm surrounded by women and men who, you know, live in this province, grew up in this province, want to stay in this province. We're all trying to do what we think is right, and we've been using as our mantra. We're not looking at this saying at all times, I am right. We've turned it around. We always say – Am I right? With a question mark at the end. And that's why we're talking to everybody. We're talking to the Econexts, the Energy NLs, communities, indigenous governments. We're talking to everybody to get all the information we can to make what we hope is the best decision. Um, I mean, that's, that's never far from our mind.
1: And you uh, alluded, or I think you alluded to Muskrat Falls there a moment ago, and I want to ask you a little bit about that and the uh, and the lill when we come back after the break. Our guest today on on Target is Minister of Industry, Energy, and Technology Andrew Parsons. We'll be back right after this. Got plans for midnight? Bring your V O C M along with the best soundtrack for every night anywhere. The V O C M All Night Show Midnight on your V O C M. Our guest today is Minister of Industry, Energy, and Technology Andrew Parsons and uh, so much to ask you about because it's such a big portfolio. But um, there's continued uncertainty surrounding the reliability of the Labrador-Island link. And earlier this year, of course, uh, Newfoundland and Labrador Hydro announced that more capacity is needed to meet projected demand. So what kind of a role will the province play Mm -hmm. in helping to develop those uh, backups?
0: It's a big, big part of the job, to be honest with you. It's one that sometimes... With everything going on in terms of tech, mining, oil, uh, you name it, you, you forget that, oh, yeah, we also have to deal with our grid. We have to deal with capacity, and we have to deal with these major uh hydro projects, including what's next, because there's more that has to be done. We are going to have to uh, generate, uh, there's more generation, more capacity needed. Uh, So that's an ongoing and active conversation. Right now, I can say that hydro, I mean, they've been moving forward when it comes to trying to get the uh, Labrador Island Link, the LIL, commissioned. We know that they had what normally would have been considered a pretty successful test, but the reality is it, it never got completed. They just never got there, and that resulted in a power loss to a lot of people. So it's I wouldn't say it's completely back to the drawing board, um, but you know, there's more work needed. Now, the Lill itself, I mean, first three quarters of this year uh, was working and a lot of people wouldn't even notice, but I mean we've been, you know, it's been up around 480 megawatts, but when you're trying to get that full commissioning stage is when you have to do the high power, the full testing. It's like anything, before you're going to assume something and take over responsibility and I guess the the liability for it, you want to make sure that it passes that test. I think that's a pretty normal process Uh, as they moved up uh, to hit the, you know, the the testing that's what resulted in the trip so there's more to be done on that one there um, but again the other side of this is that you know these aren't small fees I mean we're we, I mean we've seen construction costs for that particular project over 10 billion dollars I wouldn't want people to think that that's the final cost there's another uh, full cost is just under 14 and that affects your ability uh, and not only that it affects the I, th- I think it affects the mindset of individuals like when when we have something like that that's consumed us for over a decade now, uh, it really if there's a, again i 'll stick to positive. The positive is that it leads to needed scrutiny as you move forward in any kind of decision making process involving public tax dollars.
1: Are there continued questions though about the reliability of the lil? Um, is it time to sort of scrap that and start afresh, or where are we?
0: two things i mean i would suggest that there is continued scrutiny and that there right now we can't say uh that it's hit the bar that it needs to hit because it's, we still haven't accepted it it hasn't passed testing so no i wouldn't say that we are where we need to be as for just scrapping it I don't think I'm at that point yet. And again, look, I i don't come at this with a, a background expertise and, you know, I'm not an electrical engineer, I'm not an engineer of any sort. So listening to, I guess, the expertise around me is that uh, given how far we've gone, given what we've invested and spent and everything else, it's not to that point of declaring that this is a complete failure at all. I think that there is still an opportunity to get this right. Uh But I also don't think that people are wrong to ask those questions, because how can you not, given how long and how much time and how much effort and resource has been invested in this?
1: One of the very first actions recommended in the Green Report uh, was the absorption of NALCOR into Newfoundland and Labrador Hydro. It's one of the first actions taken, actually. Um, So how's that working?
0: You know what? Uh, That's something that we have moved forward on uh, was basically the absorption of NALCOR. Basically, once there's some work that has to be done, but a lot of it is in terms of like the the corporate exercises, in terms of, uh, you know, asset ownership and generating it and things things like that. But the reality is right now, you know, Jennifer Williams as the, you know, the, the the CEO has been running the show and she's been in, you know, putting her stamp on that and we're very very happy. Uh, with how that's gone one thing I think Linda this is a great opportunity to put it out there and there's probably not an organization or entity as maligned as Nalcor uh, over the last decade and for many reasons it should be but I want to send this out to all the frontline workers of that group uh, hydro or Nalcor I mean it's got to be hard for these individuals because when you know they work for this company, they're very proud of the work they do, and a lot of times they get crapped on because of decisions that had nothing to do with them. They didn't make these decisions. They're the ones out there doing really hard work. And I think, you know, it's a chance for me to say, look, that none of this is based on them. And we're extremely proud of the work that they do. Even when you see, you know, NELCOR or HODRO getting torn apart for, you know, spending or this or that, the, it's difficult. It's a challenge because it's not based on these individuals. So it's a chance now perhaps to say to these people, like, the, the vast majority of people in this province are extremely appreciative of all these workers. They're based all over this province, from St. John's on out. Uh, And they are the ones that ensure that we are warm and and that we have power and that we're, you know, that we're taken care of. So I want to put that out, not saying that we don't have work left to do when it comes to hydro, when it comes to, you know, bringing Nelcor under that. Uh, Yeah, we know there's work to do. But at the same time, there's a hell of a lot of good stuff that's going on there that's not always appreciated because we do take it for granted. I'm one of them. I sometimes take that for granted, the work that they've been doing to, uh, to keep bus uh, with the lights on.
1: So a very short while ago, you were involved in a uh, news conference, uh, $10 million earmarked to advance the exploration of critical minerals in the province. And of course, this is a big and emerging um, industry for Newfoundland and Labrador. What's it all about?
0: Yes. So basically, that was uh, an announcement from today, uh, myself and Minister O'Regan uh, announcing on behalf of ACOA. So the long and short is that it's a significant sum of money being invested uh, by ACOA into our department and our mining division uh, and basically geophysical and survey work and things like that. To, I guess, dumb it down to a level that I understand, it's more money going into exploration, and especially as it relates to being targeted for critical minerals, and just so people know, critical minerals are the ones that, there's huge worldwide demand for that now when it comes to our EVs, when it comes to our magnets, when it comes to our batteries, when it comes to our solar panels. We're seeing that as a global demand, we need to find new supplies. So in this case, increased investment It's going to be increased science done, increased exploration, which leads to increased chance of uh, find, and that in turn leads to us finding a way to hopefully move forward to the development, the, the extraction of these minerals that are wanted globally.
1: Is the potential here? Or is it out there? It's we just huge. have to find it.
0: It is, uh, but again, you know, there's a lot of as much as this area has been explored. There are prospectors and explorers out there. Who have, there's a lot of areas that have not had boots on the ground. I mean, just look at Labrador, the expanse of Labrador, which has been so good to us in a mineral sense. I mean, this basically the silent backbone, I O C and you know, and, and Valet. These companies that have been giving to us uh, with these minerals that are there in Labrador that are being looked at. There's a lot of area that hasn't been explored. Uh, I look in Southeast, uh, Southeast Labrador up in the Straits, what Search Minerals is doing there. Uh, there's work going on right now in my neck of the woods, Southwest Coast with uh, Benton and Sokemon in terms of lithium find. Uh, a lot of work. I mean, Central's known for that gold rush that's going on. With that also comes further mineralization opportunities there and again for critical minerals. We've got about 23 maybe 24 of the 31 that have been identified. So, look, we're not just a hotbed for gold. We're not just a hotbed for ore. We've got all these new minerals that are in demand, and this investment today is going to see more boots on the ground, and I mean that literally.
1: I know that uh, the potential is there in Labrador as well for uranium, and uh, while there was some excitement around that a few years ago, it it got put on hold for a variety of reasons. Uh, Where are we with that now? Any hopes of exploring that to any degree?
0: It's not something that has been uh, really hot within the department in the sense that I haven't heard a whole lot of it. I mean, it's not coming across my desk that often. That's not to say anything good or bad about it. It's just not something that is an active file right now on the desk. Uh, but that means nothing. In some cases, there's work being done, but it's just not done here. If people are doing it outside, they've got their heads down, and they're going at it. And so in this case, I haven't heard that. Um, but, again, that's another mineral that has a huge opportunity. Uh, so I'm willing to explore. There's nothing to me that I'm not willing to explore so that we can make an accurate, I guess, depiction of is there a benefit to this province or not? I mean, sometimes having these things that we hold as sacred that we can or cannot do, that's fine and dandy. I get it. But I'm also willing, and I think it's incumbent on us, to look at absolutely everything that belongs to the people of this province and say, you know... What does this mean? What should we do? And so, I mean, there's so much opportunity within this department. And again, the whole point of it is that it creates jobs here, creates opportunity for people to come back home, and it's helping to pay for all these services that we rely on. And again, I come back to a healthcare system that you know is going through a difficult time, and we're gonna we again every day we're finding different ways that we need to do more and invest more. Uh, so we got to find a way to pay for that, and this is one of those ways with the, the, the riches that are under the ground in this province.
1: I know an awful lot of work is being done now in the Millertown-Buckins Junction area with uh, Marathon Gold. Uh, how is that going?
0: Extremely well. I mean, they were a little bit later getting started than they'd like to. They That's another good example, actually, of working through the environmental process where as they go forward, trying to get the mine set up as it moves into construction and operation, uh, they ran into some issues as it related to caribou migration grounds. They work together with the department to come up with a mitigation plan, uh, one that was acceptable, that was going to help protect the resource, Figured it all out, and then boom, they, they keep on working. And so that's uh, that's a plus to me when I hear that. Uh, it shows that we can find ways to recognize but also protect our, our resources, our natural resources, and at the same time can still allow for development here because it's that's a multi-multi-hundreds of million-dollar operation. They're moving forward Forward into the construction stage now. And from all accounts, uh, early 2023 is going to be an extremely busy time in that neck of the woods.
1: Your portfolio requires two hours of a show. But before we run out of time, I want to ask you about technology and innovation. There was a major announcement yesterday. Uh, we'll uh, ask you about that right after this. Take a break. Join us weekdays from 12.30 to 1 p.m. as we discuss anything and everything that's happening now. It's all on the table during your VOCM lunch break. Our guest today on On Target is the Minister of Industry, Energy and Technology, Andrew Parsons. And uh, last but not least, uh, technology, of course. And you made a big announcement yesterday concerning this new innovation centre. What do you hope to achieve there?
0: Well, that one was a long time coming. I know that's been on my plate since the moment i stepped into this role which was august 2020 and for many others who've been around longer than me they were working on up to a decade what we hope to achieve is we're it's another building block it's another center where we bring together innovators and ideas to help them sort of collaborate and achieve and i'll just give you an example which literally happened yesterday when i was up there i walk into this mainly empty space uh, Randy billard has virtual marine set up there, so he's moving in and has his simulator set up there. uh Craig Tucker from uh Kean Tech comes in he's been talking to companies outside this province. They look at each other and say, oh "My God, we could actually be helping each other." That happened within twenty minutes of us actually being in that space together so that's the idea this collision of ideas and entrepreneurs coming together. Uh, and it, look, it's it, right now. We are one of the big innovation stories in this country. There is no doubt about that. And in fact, I go as far as saying North America. But we need to have these spaces to help people come together. Uh, there's so so much opportunity. And yesterday was a huge partnership between a lot of good things in this province: Tech L, Genesis, COA, our department here, you know, academia, MUN, CNA, private institutions. Everybody coming together because we realized this is a huge multi-billion opportunity for people to come up with ideas here uh, that we can develop, sell and promote around the world. Uh, with Newfoundland and Labrador expertise and ideas, uh, and it's one of the biggest issues we have with it is finding enough people to fill the jobs that will be created. And it's not just on the technical component side. It's the business side of as well uh, when it comes to marketing, when it comes to just any of these things to run a successful business. Uh, so we see that as huge. We see this is we have to invest, and we have no doubt we're going to see a return on it.
1: I always find it amazing because, you know, we're so used to uh, different industries having these competitive silos and when it comes to uh, technology and innovation in particular, uh, it seems that collaboration is is the key there and it's always this melding of ideas and oh yeah, looking at all the opportunities together.
0: It's a really exciting environment and again, I don't come at this, this is not my background, uh, but when you come in, it's hard not to just get sucked into this world of where they're all working together. They want to help each other, they, and and again, it comes with mutual benefits. Everybody sees their win as uh, you know as somebody else's win as well. And and again, some of these ideas, like when you it, sometimes it's not always that sort of practical. You can actually see it and feel it. It's coming up with those ideas but you need the people along the way to support you and to help you Uh, when you're first coming up with that startup you're first coming up with that idea you need a place to work you're going to need investment to help you get there and right now I mean as a province and again I got to give the premier credit because he's the one that literally changed the name of the department to have technology in it he bought into it and gave us free reign to go and do what we have to do and given the successes that that industry alone has had in the the last few years, uh, we're just one part of it, by the way. But it shows us that we had to continue on that path. There's so much more opportunity. And the companies here, the innovators here, are being noticed elsewhere. I mean, look at someone like Milk Movement. You look at someone like pragmaclin It's not just Fairfin. You look at Kraken. I mean, they're
1: killing it everywhere.
0: I mean, there's tens and tens of millions of dollars being invested in Newfoundland and Labrador brain power. It's hard not to get excited.
1: We must get a news release from Kraken every single day.
0: It's, well, this is it, and I'm lucky enough that I'm sitting here. Is why I get so excited, because there's so such cool ideas. I mean, stuff that I normally, uh, you know, that's not something I'm able to come up with, but when I look at people like Bree Sweet, who are getting accepted, like they're the only Atlantic Canadian company, that are accepted into this national sort of I guess uh Lazaritis institute where basically they're the cream of the crop and they're getting recognized and this is only going to help them. When I look at the collabs, when I look at the Mises, like I mean, wh- what they're all doing here, when you actually have your products accepted to be, you know, sold nationwide and beyond on Amazon, yeah, you're doing something right. And again, Newfoundland, Labrador, men and women, uh, supported by everybody here. Uh, It truly is a model to be emulated and used elsewhere. And not only that, what people don't realize is that every other industry that we're doing really well in, whether it's mining, whether it's oil, uh, you name it, all of them can use technological advances to achieve these measures we all want to get uh, when it comes to you know greening their technology, when it comes to reducing their emissions, when it comes to creating jobs, when it re- comes to increasing safety. These are all things. I mean, so the Exxon's of the world uh, are, are investing in this. Uh, the IOCs are investing in this. Uh, so tech has an application in everything we do from making our life a little bit easier in terms of what app you have on your phone to industrial exercises that might actually save a life.
1: And Munn's Genesis Center is to be commended too for helping to uh develop this whole Michelle
0: Sims and Genesis. They had their twenty fifth anniversary this year. Really inspiring. When you see the graduates of that program, uh they are, you know, some of the top tier companies in this province and beyond. And again, it comes down to creating this environment of support. Uh, Michelle is a, I mean, she's someone that, uh, one of the first people I talked to when I got in this role, and she has been an inspiration to a lot of people in this province.
1: Andrew Parsons, it's clear you uh, love what you do. You are always so uh, engaged and excited about uh, the many, many things going on in your your department. Really appreciate your time this afternoon. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you guys so much. I mean, VOCM has always been there as a a voice to let us talk about the good things happening in this province. So thank you so much, and I hope you all have a, a wonderful Christmas and holiday.
1: And same to you. All the best. And we'll be back tomorrow. Um, I can't remember who I'm talking to tomorrow, but it's going to be somebody good. Trust me on that one. (laughs) Um, uh, Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great day.